There's a new and better way to interact with podcasts. The Clever Podcast app allows you to bookmark, highlight your favorite quotes, and buy recommended products all in one place. You can listen to any public podcast, but we'll have exclusive Haas podcast content only available in our Clever app. So sign up for Clever today at clever.fm and do more than listen. I'm Ray Guan, and this is Here at Haas, a student-run podcast of the Berkeley Haas community. Today, we're joined by Sarah Schilling, second-year full-time MBA student from Asade Business School in Barcelona, currently doing her exchange program at Haas. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for having me. It's an honor having you on as you bring <laughs> a background that's very different from the typical Berkeley student. So you grew up in Germany, did your yep. undergrad there, worked in business development, and then went to Asade for your MBA. Exactly. So I guess just tell us about that journey. Yeah, so as you already mentioned, I grew up in Germany, close to Hamburg, did my bachelor's degree in a university in Hamburg, also started working at a company in Hamburg, where I started as a product manager and then worked my way up to lead a team for business development in the end before I decided to go for an MBA at one of the top business schools in Europe. And the reason why I decided for that is because I really wanted to try out consulting and an MBA mm -hmm. is, is a very good way to get into that field. Yeah. So let me back you up a little bit. I'm curious about your growing up in Europe and just people growing up in Europe in general. Do you travel a lot? Do you go <laughs> country hopping a lot? Uh, I guess we do. Obviously in Europe, everything is a bit closer than in the US. If you want to travel to another country, I am living four hours away from Paris. Yeah, we've definitely taken a lot of advantage to travel to do, you know, little group trips, trips with my partner, also family trips in Europe. But I've actually been quite a lot in the US over the last three years. I lived in Michigan for half a year in high school and mm -hmm. made some really good friends back then that I'm still in touch with. And a lot of them decided to get married over the last three years. So we came back for quite a lot of weddings and combined that with a bit of travel through the US. Honestly, the pandemic has been really rough because traveling is, is one of the big passions of mine for sure. And I think everyone has felt these restrictions quite heavily over the last year. You mentioned working in Hamburg at a company or working in a variety of roles. Mm -hmm. What led you to get an MBA and how did you kind of land on Asade? So what led me to get an MBA is the passion that I had for international projects and for working in smart driven teams. So before I started my MBA, I worked on an Amazon direct import project together with the headquarters in London and Luxembourg of Amazon. And that was super inspiring to me because you worked with very diverse teams, with very smart people who also all had an MBA. And that I think also inspired me a little bit to, to pursue an MBA. And then the reason why I decided for Asada in the end was, was basically three reasons. So the first one is that I was looking for a great collaborative spirit among the people, because I think one of the key benefits of an MBA is clearly the network. And um, I found that at Asare for sure. Then obviously the academic excellence and also the contacts in many different industries. So Asare has a wide variety of, of contacts and different networks in different industries, which, yeah, which enabled me to explore 
different companies um, and different industries in general. Yeah. Did you visit the Asade campus prior to going there? I did. I visited. I actually made this quite a project before I decided to what school to go to. So I looked at eight different business schools in Europe because I was nice. sure that I wanted to study in Europe. And then I, I went to the Asada campus for sure. And my primary goal, as I already said, was to form a strong network with smart individuals with the ambition to have a positive impact. Mm. And when I visited the campus, I met exactly these kind of people that I wanted to study with. So yeah, the Asada spirit is very exceptional. You know, a lot of business schools talk about collaborative spirit, but when you come to the Asada campus, you can really feel it. For me, that has been the yeah decision criteria in the end that made me choose Asada. For sure. And it's a benefit as well being in Barcelona. For sure. <laughs> the, the winters aren't quite cold. And in the summer, even in the springtime, going to the beach is always an option. Gosh, Barcelona is an incredible city. So for one, yes, you have the beach. You also have the mountains in the back. And then you have this beautiful old city. with architecture. Barcelona, yes. Like I, I was talking to my friends about this. If any of these houses in Barcelona would stand, you know, in Hamburg, here, for example, any other city, it would be an attraction. And in Barcelona, they're just everywhere. <laughs> it's just the city. So right, yeah, right. it's stunningly beautiful. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite city in Spain and probably even in all of Europe of all the ones I've been to. But, you know, unfortunately, a few months after you started at Asade, the world went into kind of this pandemic or this quarantine, I should say. So I'm just curious here because we Berkeley students kind of see how America has handled or you can say botched handling the pandemic. <laughs> How has Asade slash Spain uh, handled the pandemic and how is how has that kind of affected you guys? Yeah, so for sure, it was a real bummer that after six months of the MBA, you were sent into lockdown and a lot of students also left Spain again to go home in these uncertain times and just spend the lockdown there because in March, Barcelona went into, a, I think it was in total 10 weeks lockdown where it was super strict. You were only allowed to be outside to go grocery shopping for most of the time. And other than that, you spent most of the time inside. And then obviously Asada had to shift all the classes that we had within, I think a week or two to online. And when the format, especially at Asada is normally a lot of like interactive discussions in class, this was quite a shift for mm -hmm. many professors. But I think in general, Asada has handled it extremely well, that in the end, a lot of students actually like the online classes a lot and sometimes even better than the in-person uh, ones so that they decide mm -hmm. to take some, some classes online rather than going in person. I think it really showed the flexibility and also the innovative spirit of the school to be able to adapt uh, so quickly and find new interactive ways in the online format to keep students engaged and create discussions. Wait, did I hear that there is now an in-person option now? There is. No, no, I've actually been back. So I think I was back on campus in September. We have a dual system now. So you can either decide to join in-person or online. And for most of the students, obviously, they want to go in person if they're still in Barcelona, which quite many of my class, fortunately, is. We have, I think, of our cohort, we're quite a, a small class. We are 185 people. And mm -hmm. of them, I would guess around 100 uh, still remain in Barcelona until mm -hmm. today, which is an incredible number, given that normally the, the max time that you can spend on the MBA is 18 months, which is basically now end of March is 18 months. 
And you also have a 12 months and a 15 months option. And almost everyone opted for the longest version to be able <laughs> to, yeah, to extend the time. Can you choose mm -hmm. that within, like while you're doing the program to extend it? Yeah. Again, shows the flexibility of Asada. You can choose uh, to do 12 months, 15 months or 18 months, I think after when you're nine months into the program. But now with the pandemic, they have become even more flexible. So Asada even offers a 21 months version now. So you can stay until wow. June. Yeah. That was one of the things about European MBAs is I felt, and even with my master's that I did in IE business school, it just felt really fast. It was just 10 months. <laughs> and you know, that doesn't give you an opportunity in some cases to do a summer internship. Yeah. But for you, I think you mentioned recruiting for consulting. I see that you interned last summer at Bain. So I guess, mm -hmm. how has this experience been recruiting for consulting during a virtual environment? Uh, I was lucky that I landed the internship with Bain already in January, so still in person. That was one of my last in-person mm -hmm. interviews. Okay. <laughs> So there I was still lucky, but I also had a couple of other rounds afterwards when I was like just interested in also getting to know other companies. And that was, I think, in March and April before I even started my interview with Bain and uh, my internship with Bain. And those were virtually. And that is quite different because you don't have the same interaction with the recruiter. Obviously, they still try to make it a comfortable environment and so on, but you still have a greater distance and you're not... Yeah, you're not having the same interaction than what you would have in person. Yeah. You mentioned that some of your classes have gone in a dual mode where you can either go in person or learn remotely. How has that experience been for the students and also for the teachers? Because I would imagine it would be a little bit challenging. So the benefit, obviously, is that you still have the variety of courses that you can join. So you're not restricted to join classes that are only online or only in person. But I think one of the challenges certainly is the active participation, if you so want, in class. So I'm a person that really learns a lot from, from the discussions with my peers. And if you're online and the rest of your class is in person and there are only, let's say, six students who are online, naturally they'll not have the chance to participate as much and start conversations because you don't even see your peers you don't see the reactions and as you know a lot of communication is just body language and also part of discussions and that obviously is cut out if you're in the virtual format yeah and i think some of the some of what you lose in not being able to kind of see oh i wonder what this person is thinking as i'm talking yeah you know because you can't it's very hard to see like what people are doing but in person you can tell when someone is giving you like a weird face when you're explaining a principle you might not be explaining it right you know <laughs> um but on Zoom, I guess we have the chat function where you can kind of interact with people and receive messages. Although the downside there is, you know, that might be distracting. All in all, I guess there's kind of pros and cons. Yeah, but I like I'll be very honest. What I really liked about my Berkeley classes so far is that they are all online. So in the sense that mm -hmm. I at least get to meet people in the same way, because otherwise, if you would be one of the few people who are online, you wouldn't have the possibility to interact with people over the Zoom chats so often when they are in class uh, in person. So you, for example, yeah. I think were one of the first people that I spoke to at the MBA. I was so grateful. This is one of the things that I really enjoy about the, the Americans in general 
general in the American business schools, I think, is that you just all seem super open and approachable and just reach out to people you don't know on Zoom and make them feel included. So I'm very grateful for that. No, thanks. And, you know, I guess I'll kind of shift here then to like the fact that we met in Heather Whiteman's people analytics class. So in general, then how has kind of your experience been in these Berkeley classes, given that, like you said, it's an even playing field with the virtual experience for everyone. Um, But there's also some downsides, including like the time zone shift and how it's (laughs) 9am for you is like 6pm. I think the the first thing that really stuck out to me is that you have such a huge variety of choices. I think there were a hundred electives or something that I was able to choose from, which was incredible to me. And Asade, I think the range is much smaller. We didn't have such a wide variety to go into. And then, as you already mentioned, the time shift definitely is is a difference here. I have one class, Designing Your Life, which is a really cool class, and I really wanted to take it. But the downside to it is I have to get up at 2.30 in the morning to take the class because <laughs> it starts at 3 a.m. But it's been a really cool class so far and super helpful. So quality-wise and also the, the preference-wise, I really enjoy the Berkeley classes a lot. I think a general tendency that you can see compared to European business schools, or maybe it's also just the, the difference in online and in-person format right now, is that... At Berkeley, I feel like you cover a lot of different varieties of subjects. So you go much more into, you cover much, much more concepts in general. At ESADE, I felt like we went sometimes a bit more in depth. So we had a lot of discussions with, with the people in your class, which I really enjoy because in my class, we had 52 nationalities in a cohort of only 100. Yeah, in a cohort was just 185 people and we had so many different backgrounds. We had lawyers, we had engineers, we had teachers, we have so many different backgrounds that you could learn from, which made the mm-hmm. discussion super insightful. And I think some of the discussions have taught me even more than than the professors have. So Yeah, the student interaction and learning from your peers is definitely one of the advantages of really you can say that that could be the biggest advantage of doing an MBA program is really kind of what you gain, not just while, you know, doing your two years or three years or however much time you spend on campus, but also afterwards, right? Like, you know, connecting on LinkedIn. And I know people who who have started companies together, who have went into business together. And, you know, just kind of that network is always going to be at your advantage. Yeah, we have that too. And I love to see that. So we have a couple of people who also founded their own companies already. And I think that's also a little bit of a similarity of Asade and and Berkeley. I think there is a a lot of focus on the entrepreneurial spirit and on on founding companies and finding your own passion and individual ways in a sense. So I I really think that's also one of the reasons why I chose Berkeley very early on as my exchange university that I wanted to go with. What sort of extracurricular activities have you been involved in at Asade? And, you know, how have you, I guess, adapted those during the pandemic as we go from in-person to online? There have been quite a lot of extracurricular activities that I've been involved in. I think the biggest role that I've taken on is I'm part of the MBA Student Association Board. 
And in that role, I am the Vice President of Academic and Student Affairs and represent my class to faculty program management. And yeah, I frequently coordinate events, activities, and media between professors, staff, and students. And I guess over the turbulences of the last year, the most important task that I had was finding creative ways uh, to keep our collaborative spirit of the class thriving while we couldn't be mm-hmm. together. So such as like virtual hangouts, quizzes, cheerful weekly messages, these little things. It's great that you are both managing relationships between the students and faculty, as well as keeping the students connected. Because at Berkeley, at least for first year students, we have an academic cohort rep that does the academic side of things and connects the class with the faculty. And we also have social cohort reps who are in charge of doing these like virtual happy hours, in-person happy hours at first that have turned (laughs) virtual, and then just organizing virtual events for us to stay connected as well. It sounds like you're doing both, which I definitely commend (laughs) your spirit and enthusiasm through, like you said, all of this turbulence, all of what we've experienced in the past, let's say 12 plus months now. Yeah. So a couple of other things that I'm involved in at Esare is for one, I am a fellow of the admission teams at Esare, which has been a really cool experience because I got to talk to uh, over 100 uh, potential students um, that applied or were interested in applying uh, for Esare. So that's been really cool. I also mentor for a um, student-led consultancy called 180 Degrees Consulting. And they do basically student teams that um, that help companies in the nonprofit sector, yeah, to develop their concepts and so on. So that's a super interesting journey for me as well. And then the last thing that I've been involved in over the last year was helping a friend to set up um, her foundation. So the it's called the Hellvelin Foundation, and they focus on preserving wildlife and advancing the education um, for young people in the UK specifically. And that's been super, super inspiring for me too, because I really have a big passion for the nonprofit sector as well. The foundation is to advance wildlife. So Halvillen aims to preserve wildlife and improve education in the UK. And I'm helping the trustees to develop decision criteria and processes for grant giving and uh, define the foundation's impact goals. I want to go back to the admissions team involvement. I'm curious, what are some of the questions that you're getting from students at this time? (laughs) Well, at this time, because a lot of the students can't go to campus, unfortunately, a lot of it is going towards the collaborative spirit and the students that that you're with in your class. And obviously, the, the new people, the incoming classes didn't get to have that. For them, I think those are the most pressing questions currently. Yeah, no, it's so interesting because yeah, my first year too, there were students who audited the class, right? And afterwards, we would invite them to happy hours. And of course, during the pandemic, that's not an option. <laughs> and it does feel a little like you feel a little bad for them because they can't they for can't sure. have the same experience that you've had. Okay, pivoting to International Women's Month, how do you support some of the other women in your network? Um, I think this has always been a big topic for me because in my last company, I worked in a very men-dominated business field. And I come from the field of material handling equipment, which is anything from a screwdriver to a hand pallet truck, more or less. So normally mm-hmm. I would be the only woman in a room in most of the meetings. And also in my last company, I think 
Oh, there weren't so many women. I think about 25% uh, of the staff was female. Yeah, so that has always been early on already been a topic for me. And I actually became the first woman in the 140 years of the company's history to be promoted to a management position, which was a big deal for me. And yeah, I had an amazing boss who really mentored and pushed me a lot. And I learned a lot from him. He also helped me to found a team spirit committee that fostered collaborative spirit among uh, my colleagues and especially helped also to engage some of the females in the conversations. So that was in my last company. And then if we speak about the present, I think there are two ways where I'm trying to support the females around me. So the first one is from a scholarship that I've received. It's from the Forte Foundation. And the Forte Foundation aims to help women in business who want to pursue an MBA and actively support each other in the business world. So I'm trying to help as much as I can there. And then the second one is something I already mentioned uh, that I'm on the MBA Student Association Board, where actually eight out of the nine roles currently are female. So we have a very strong female representation on the board and also a very strong female class in general with about 39% of our MBA cohort being women. And we just support each other greatly with pep talks, with job preparation, with also a very strong women in business club and uh, some really great female professors who role model the way for us. Like, for example, our genius finance professor who has been a real inspiration, I think, for all females in our class. Yeah. And, you know, in Berkeley and in the Bay Area in general, I think gender diversity and equity is a big emphasis within the community. So I'm curious, how does that, I guess, that compare in Europe, maybe more broadly? And does it vary by country? If you look at the business schools in Europe, they tend to have a little less percentage of women in the MBA for sure, just because the MBA in Europe traditionally is still a very man-dominated subject, I guess. But I think in general, it's definitely something that everyone is paying much more attention to in the companies, but also in the schools. And Asada has been definitely one of the the ones to lead the way there in, in Europe on diversity. And they're putting a lot of effort into recruiting women actively and also increasing the diversity of the people. And the, the admission team has actually won some awards on how they recruit over the last years. And one of it was that they really take care of diversity in their classes and try to create a diverse field for every student in this area. And I know we learned in our uh, people analytics class, some of those, and hopefully that class helped bring some value for you to take back in your role as an admissions counselor. Yeah, for sure. No, especially being able uh, to quantify some of the positive impacts that diversity has a community on the workforce. That has been super, super helpful in our people analytics class, for sure. Cool. All right, well, Sarah, you are basically 15 or maybe even 16 months into your 18-month MBA, which mm-hmm. begs the question, what are your plans after Asade? <laughs> so after I started, I'm going to start with Bain & Company, the same company that I did my internship with. I'm planning to start with them 1st of July, and I'm very excited to go to management consulting because that was my, my plan before the MBA, or let's say my dream before the MBA, and everything that I wanted so far from this MBA besides the pandemic has turned out wonderfully. So I'm very excited to, to take on the next step. 
And I hope they will give you a project so that you can come <laughs> out here to Berkeley sometime. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Yes, I really need to come visit. And I fell in love with San Francisco in 2018 when we traveled for a wedding. So I really want to come back sometime soon. Cool. All right. Well, we just want to wrap up with some lightning round questions. Um, these are okay. just kind of quick Q&A and they're designed to be fun. So feel free to just give your honest, really first answer that kind of comes to mind. Okay. First question. So what is a book, podcast, or really any like type of media recommendation that you have? <laughs> this actually ties into the class that we just had because similar to, to you and how inspired you were by the book that you read, I was very inspired by the book that I had to read, which is called Factfulness by Hans uh, Rosling. And it's a really cool book. The It, it seems very optimistic at first because the subtitle is, I forgot, 10 reasons why the world is better than we think or something like that. And it really helps you to put the distorted worldview that we have sometimes into a, a more fact-based perspective and therefore helps you to check your dramatic instincts is what he calls them in order to have a better view, a more realistic view on the world and focus your your worries, let's put it that way, because there seems to be so many uncertainties right now. And funnily enough, it, he wrote this book in 2017, and the number one threat that he actually said in the end of the book to focus on was a global pandemic. <laughs> and oh, no. here we are. I can really highly recommend this book. It's an amazing read. Nice. Okay, so for this next question, you have to say either American or German when it comes to the next few categories. So the first category is food. German. Uh, second, entertainment. American. And then sports. German. <laughs> you hesitated there. Okay. <laughs> um, and then humor. American. So uh, humor, entertainment, <laughs> um, potentially biased by Netflix. Okay. It's okay. We'll give you a pass. Okay. And then the last uh, lightning round question is what is the first place do you travel to? Once lockdown is lifted and it's safe to go. Yeah, I, I think we've spoken about this before because you have been. I really want to go to Machu Picchu. <laughs> mm, mm, so Peru okay. is very high up on my list. And also during the MBA, I already mentioned this, we have 52 nationalities in our class and a lot of them are from Latin America. So that's why I really want to travel the region and go to Peru, go to Brazil, go to Costa Rica, go to many different places down there once yeah. it's safe again and we can travel more. Yeah, one of the benefits of having a global network in your yeah, MBA. For sure. And then what's the first city in the US then that you would go to? That is a good question. Uh, I've been to quite a few of them already. I think I'm going to go back to San Fran just because I really want to go to right. Berkeley campus because <laughs> I haven't been. <laughs> Yeah, and there might be a Bain office for you to work out of too. Yes, yeah. I want to cool. extend your trip. Cool. Well, then I guess let's just wrap up this interview. We talked a lot about doing an MBA during this quarantine, during this pandemic. What's one thing that you've been proud of during your MBA? 
Well, academically speaking, I guess I should say being ranked among the top three students in my class, but personally saying, I think I'm even more proud that um, I was able to help more than 40 students in my class and also in the incoming cohort to practice for interviews and jobs. Being awarded with that trust and being one of these go-to people to ask for advice has yeah, has really been an honor to me and also taught me a lot about the students in my class and my cohort. You know, there are these invisible stories that a lot of people just don't tell at the first conversation that you have with them. And then when you go into mm -hmm. this interview prep with them, sometimes there's really, really cool stories that come up. And I think getting at that deeper level has been the challenge. But once you are able to have that connection, like that's really what makes it worth it in having that network that we talked about. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Ray. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Here at Haas. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out our website, haaspodcasts.org. That's spelled H-A-A-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S dot O-R-G where you can find links to episode references, show notes, and other podcasts in the Haas Network. I'm Ray Guan, and we'll see you next time here at Haas.